0: Hey, Fanboy Nation. This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching, you're watching, we're watching, you're watching Fanboy, 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 A Fanboy, Fanboy, Fanboy Nation. God, I assume Tom. <laughs> you might not know her face, but you know her work as the director of Supergirl, Nancy Drew, Riverdale, and so much more. Today we're talking about her new movie, All Joking Aside. Shannon Coley, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. The, the movie is fantastic. It kind of feels a little bit like the old Tom Hanks, Sally Fields punchline meets a little bit of a million dollar baby. Um, You know, it, it just has that tie in, you know, you have, you have the gruff old coach that reluctantly uh, mentors a young up and comer. So that, that's the uh, million dollar baby part. And then just the comics going back and forth, um, Charlene's character has some amazing lines in there. I will give the one spoiler line that i I did really enjoy was the uh the Giving Blood line, where she's like, "Oh, I'm the only one. Good, keep it for yourself and I'm paraphrasing so I don't ruin uh, James's joke.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah.
0: Um, tell me about the process. You know this movie isn't something we always come across. I mean, I know that we, uh, you know, there's been a lot of movies about comics and stand-up comedy and they usually become dramas, but this is a dramedy that's a lot more fun than some of the other ones. Um, when you got James's script and turned it into what it is, you know, how did the, the process go from uh, re- receiving the, the written page to putting it uh, on digital? I was gonna say, uh, you know, film, but that doesn't exist anymore.
1: Mm. Um, so first, John Ornoy, our producer, he optioned the script from InkTip, So that's how he connected with James Pickering in the UK. And the script was originally written for a male lead and it was set in the UK. And so John immediately started working with um, James to adapt it to North American um, setting and a female lead. And so from there... You know, when I read the script, I fell in love with the characters Charlene and Bob, um, but there was still a lot of work to do. You know, it's very difficult reading, writing comedy. You know, stand up for other people. So once we got our cast in, they were very helpful in, you know, brainstorming what their character would say and what would work. So the script was always um, evolving. So from what it was to what we ended up filming, and then again in the editing room. So it was always changing. Right.
0: It felt very real, especially Bob's character, because I've talked to a lot of stand-up comics, and I have taken a stand-up comedy class. And every point that's touched upon. The reality of it, how it has to be personal to you, you know, everyone's doing this shticky, you know, writing the same type of style, so you have to break out of that. Like you hit every point on the head to the point that, uh, James and yourself have made a definitive guidebook in a narrative on how stand-up comedy is created.
1: Yeah, we were fortunate. Um, Richard Lett, who plays Dennis, Bob's best friend who owns uh, the Comedy Club, he is a professional um, stand-up com- comedian, and he's done it for so long. So he's a great comic, and he helped us really delve into that world and sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly of that world and learn so much about, um, you know, the physicality of it, you know, the rewriting of jokes, the, you know, testing out your audience. And so we learned, we learned from him and we put all of that to into the script. And he was so helpful to both Brian Markinson, who played Bob, and to Raylene Harewood, who played Charlene. So he was always available for any questions.
0: Right. He actually looks like my priest. So when I saw him on camera with the <laughs> earring, I was in, like, I was rolling because I was like, Wow, that looks like Father Wayne, you know, only taller and just as mean, but no, I'm kidding. Father Wayne's not mm-hmm. that mean. <laughs> um, so the
1: funny thing with um, Richard is that he has completely changed his life, but he used to be Bob, and he came in to audition for Bob. And he now, you know, since he's cleaned up his life, he plays Santa Claus, you know, around the holidays. And I said, you know, I just – I can't, he's not Bob anymore. He used to be Bob, but he's not Bob anymore. And so we cast him as Dennis, Bob's best friend. And when I saw him next, he's like, you gave away my part. And I said, yeah, but you're not Bob anymore. You're, you're there to help Bob because you know what it was like being Bob. And now you can be the wise friend who, you know, can be there to support someone going through the same things that, you know, Bob is going through. So he really liked that. That he had now evolved past, you know, his what his life used to be.
0: Oh, for sure. And it just, and the funny thing about the Santa Claus is Father Wayne's patron is Saint Nicholas, so we got this whole tie in. <laughs> we we really need to introduce Richard and my priest and see if they have like some sort of kinship. Yes. Yeah.
1: Try to get along? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you know the the movie. It's a, I'm trying not to give away spoilers because I enjoyed so much of it. I was like, I want to touch on this. I want to touch on this. I want to touch on this, and I can't touch on any of it. But, um, you know, it, it touches upon the life of tragedy within comedy. And one, one thing that Bob mentions early on is either you want to be funny or you want to be happy. You can't be both, especially mm-hmm. in this industry. Um, was that something that Richard had said to you? Or was that something that James brought in the script? Or from your interaction <laughs> with comedic actors from being on set?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure where it came about. It seemed like a brainstorming session, um, you know, to get that. And, you know, what I loved about it is that that is what Bob believes. You cannot be happy and funny. You have to pick one. You you know, for him, comedy comes from pain. It comes from painful experiences. And while I love that as a lesson that Charlene can draw from, she can really, you know, delve deep and pull out those painful memories and, you know, turn them into comedy, which is what makes her routine unique. Um, I think at the end, she realized that you can have both, and so does he. That you can be funny and be happy.
0: Uh, I would be remiss not to ask, who is your favorite stand-up comedian?
1: Oh, there are, there are a lot. I mean, I, I really like I like the women. I like Whitney Cummings. I like, um, Oh, I'm trying to, um, Sarah Silverman. I like, yeah, but I love watching comedy. I still don't know enough about it. It was a very new world to me. Um, so still learning and looking forward to all the up and comers. I feel there's so many people who don't get that, that big massive break, um, that I'd love to see. in some of the, the smaller clubs.
0: Whitney's a good choice. Uh, my favorite would be Norm MacDonald. I, I, my friend and I saw him last year before the world fell apart, and there were these two drunk hecklers that were there, to the point that Norm started restarted the entire act from the beginning four times till they caught on that he wasn't going to move on until they shut up. But somehow wow. he made each joke funnier the same time, the same joke funnier each time he told it.
1: Uh, that's an art that's a brilliant art to be able to rewrite like that on the spot. And yeah. And I have so much admiration because it's such for me it'd be the most terrifying thing in the world. And Raylene Harewood who played Charlene, she secretly got on stage at an open mic night. Um, and it was supposedly amateur night, but it really wasn't. It was very experienced um, comics trying out their material on stage and she held her own and, um, one of her friends secretly recorded it and she was fantastic and she was playing herself. She wasn't playing a character. So I have so much admiration for, you know, the, the, what it takes to get up on stage and bear your soul.
0: See, for the next interview, tell everybody that she stole all the jokes from the movie and killed. Yeah, we have to have a little bit of fun. I mean, th- this is a serious picture, even though it, it is dealing with stand-up comedy, but there are the life tragedies that people go through and comics go through. And one thing Bob mentions in the film particularly is that, you know, there's no off days. There's no fair weather comedy. If there's something bad that happens, leave it at the door, make the stage your happy place. Um You as a director, you can't have bad days. Uh, You know, especially with weekly episodic television that you've directed before. Um, so where is your happy place when you have a bad day and how do you leave your bad days at the door?
1: Um for me I mean, being on set is it's a passion and I love it and it's like I always seem to find that adrenaline to keep going you know the fair weather line was actually one that I suggested because I grew up riding horses and we always used to say we don't like fair weather riders like a horse needs to be taken care of every single day whether you know it's it's good weather or not and so you know I that's why I admire actors so much you know, being able to get on set, whether you feel okay or not, is really difficult. As a director, because I'm behind camera, I find it's easier. I don't have to bear my soul as much. I um, always find to and I find problems. So if you go in with that mindset, no matter what happens in the day, whether you lose location or crew, you're able to, you're able to find a solution and keep going.
0: So. Uh, one thing I've noticed about your past work is that you work with very empowered female characters. And I, and, and all honestly, I get so tired of talking about the empowered female character because if it's her name on the show, Nancy Drew, Supergirl, you know, it's, it's in the title. You already know that they're the strong, empowered women. But what I like what you do is that you don't mm-hmm. make them posture. To prove I'm a strong independent woman. Well, we figured it out because you're the star of the show. You're in 90% of the episode. You know, uh, Charlene is in 90% of the, 95% of the movie. So we already know this and I want to thank you for not having those posturing moments that are really unnecessary.
1: Oh, thank you. And I find with female characters, it's, you know, showing all of they're all of them, you know, whether they're, you know, strong one day or not feeling as strong the next day. It's, it's about having these, these characters that have depth and are genuine and speak their truth.
0: You know, uh, maybe you could answer this better than some of the people I've asked this in the past. Um, but in the Western world, we tend to infantile our, our grown women and sexualize our children. Like one part of the movie is uh, the telling women to smile part all the time. Uh, which I know gets annoying quite a bit. Um, it was probably a compliment 40, 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Now it's you know it has a different connotation. But when I look around the world and you look at Nigeria and then Syria and Iraq, and you have 14, 15 year old really women because they're picking up guns and defending their villages, that's not something childlike. Why do you think it is in the West we have this weird shift of, oh, she's 25, we've got to treat her like six. And then she's nine, but she looks 12, so we treat her more like she's 15. I don't understand this mentality.
1: Yeah, it's, it's something I don't understand either that, you know, I'm, that somehow women have to pick between looks and brains and talent and they can't have it all without threatening the world. And so, you know, I really hope that, um, people's thinking is changing and I'm seeing a lot of progress in a lot of different industries like film and it hasn't come easily. And I feel like women before me have been fighting so hard to make these opportunities, which I'm very grateful and fortunate to be able to get. And those opportunities were not available, you know, even 10, 20 years ago. Um, and it's, it's a mindset that I hope is really changing that as a woman, you can, you can have it all. And it's about finding that balance that works for you and also not trying to erase yourself to fit in and to not rock the boat or threaten anybody. And so the more, the more women say, you know, enough is enough. I'm not, I'm not a Barbie doll. I'm not going to smile because it makes somebody else's day happier. Um, you know, effacing my, my feelings, um, the more that happens and the more men, you know, accept women the way they are and, and love them the way they are and don't feel threatened by them and don't feel that equal rights means taking away their rights. You know, equal opportunities means taking away their opportunities. There's room for everybody. And so I think I really do hope it's changing. I see change. And so that makes me feel positive about the future.
0: Right. Well, the, the notion of toxic masculinity is not an alpha trait. It's a beta male trait that's always feeling second best and even, even a gamma male trait. It's, it's not alpha. If you're an alpha male, you're not threatened by the success of your woman. Why would you be?
1: No, no. And no one needs to be threatened by other people's success. When you see someone do well, that's an inspiration that if they can do well, you can do well. And so it's, you know, there is really room for everybody and everyone's success. So. And the better everyone does, the you know, the better the world is. Right.
0: The only thing I'm intimidated by is your guitar collection, and I would be scared to be in your music room because I'm (laughs) klutzy. So one of those Les Pauls would actually end up on the floor with me just closing the door. So it's best for me to stay away from those. (laughs) Which
1: one's collection?
0: So your husband is <laughs> my director? husband's collection.
1: He's an amazing musician. I'm uh, I'm visual. I don't really have the musical ear. Um, he's fortunate. He has both. <laughs> he's also he's a director of photography. So yeah, we're working together coming up again. So that's gonna be fun.
0: Oh nice! What are you working on together? And was he the DP on this film?
1: No, he wasn't the DP on this film. He was busy. He was uh, directing photography on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And coming up, he's DPing Motherland, Fort Salem, and for Freeform. And I'm directing two episodes. So it'd be really fun to work together again.
0: So you guys are busy. That's the only way you get to see each other is working together.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah, it's just really busy. And there's some exciting projects coming up. And Got a couple more features in the works as well as some, some great episodes of TV. And so, yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Well, that Sabrina show gets a little creepy. So you can, you can tell him I said that. And the visuals from it are, are <laughs> extra creepy. So congratulations to him in doing <laughs> his job. Um, with all joking aside, you know, the movie comes out no- November 13th. It's uh, VOD, DVD, you know, and the market for going back to cinema isn't, you know, the theaters isn't really there right now. And I really don't know how many people are going to be willing to go now that we've adjusted to all our streaming services and all our options for VOD. What would you say to somebody? You know, it's it's Friday night. um, People want a good story. There's some they're scrolling through the usual suspects of where they pick up a movie. Why all joking aside, especially once they realize it's not a straight comedy, but it's a movie about comedy. Should they should they pick this film?
1: Um, I say for the same reasons, like when I read the script, I really identified with the characters and both the female and male characters, um, Charlene, because she's a young woman trying to make it in a male dominant, a dominated area. And she's told time and time again, she can't do it. She's not good enough. She won't ever be good enough. And she doesn't take that. Um, she refuses to accept that. So she keeps trying And when she does fail, she gets back off, brushes herself off and gets back on stage. So I really admired her character for that. And then when it comes to Bob, you know, he's this old jaded comedian with an alcohol problem and he is bitter and angry. But for him, it was really a story of redemption because she convinces him to be her mentor and he almost gets more out of being her mentor than she gets out of him mentoring her because it's all of a sudden this, you know, he realizes what he's done with his life and how to get beyond that. Um, and it's never too late to be the person you want to be. So I really like that, that story of redemption for him.
0: The story of redemption was, was phenomenal. I love the way it all played together. Um, people will say, oh, these stories don't reinvent the wheel, but, I, but we really know there's only like seven plot points that we have to make interesting. And the fact that you make mm-hmm. one of those seven plot points, interesting works for the entire film and, uh, you know, roughly 90 minute, 90 minute project. Um, another thing I, w- I want to make mention for people, um, it's a multi-ethnic cast, but you avoided the pitfall. And I want to thank you for that, of race baiting. And the whole, Oh, this character has to be black. So they have to do X, Y, Z. That's stereotypical black. This one's a Jewish character, stereotypical Jewish mm-hmm. thing. You avoided all the pitfalls and made every character human without going that route. So for that, I really appreciate it. And I thank you for that because that, that trope gets tiring. And you think by 2020, having lived in a globalized world and so like, I'm the son of immigrants you know, so many people have migrated here, or interracial marriages, or whatever else, that we could get past that. So I thank you for that as well.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, we, um, you know, when I read a script and I see woman in her twenties, I don't want to have a preconceived idea of who that woman is. And so I, yeah, it was just it was a great project to work on. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and thank you for putting her in a closet with black mold in it. Justifying what, <laughs> what rent she pays in Manhattan and not giving her like a friends level three bedroom multi-story, uh, you know, um, what's it called? Condominium.
1: Thanks. That's the reality of, yeah, being <laughs> living in, uh, in Manhattan.
0: Um, give us real quick a snippet of what, of what you're working on and what we can look forward to because Clearly the this film's in the can, the promotion's going on right now, but obviously you guys aren't stopping. So what can we what can we get a sneak peek for the future?
1: Uh well, I'm back to directing episodic. I just finished two episodes of Another Life for Netflix and going on to Motherland and Mysterious Benedict Society. And fingers crossed, maybe a Star Trek. Um and still working on indie features. I have a fantastic one um, that was written by Megan Gardner, who wrote a short I directed a couple of years ago called Stalled, and it's it was based on a play she wrote, and it's by far the best play I've ever seen. So very excited to um, put it on film, or I guess digital these days. Um, so we're working on that, and uh, then a couple other projects as well. So.
0: Well, do me a favor, find time to sleep when you can. (laughs) And uh, before I let you go, I know you have a very busy day and promotion and everything else that's going on with the film. Where can we find you on social media if we want to connect? And remind everybody about the release date of All Joking Aside.
1: Uh, so release date is November 14th and, um, I am, I'm on Instagram, but I'm terrible at posting, but you can definitely contact me through there at Shannon Coley. And, um, where else? Twitter, Shannon Coley and Facebook, Shannon Coley. So.
0: And so everybody knows to look for Shannon Coley and figure out how to spell it right. It, yes. la- you know, last name is K-O-H-E. L I Shannon Coley thank you so much for your time all joking aside a a fantastic dramedy a redemption story a mentorship story a survival story everything else that that can go with it that uh, you'll enjoy in uh, real human characters in uh, in the un well surreal world of stand up comedy Shannon thank you so much for your time I greatly appreciate it
1: thank you so much for having me appreciate that thanks Arcee thanks
0: thank you